Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. We are back with a creepy and gripping topic today, (laughs) as we always are. But first, let's spill some liberty. Oh, yes. Um, Donald Trump is claiming that he is going to shut down TikTok. But can he do that? Can he do it, (laughs) ladies and germs? Uh. I don't know. I don't know if he can, but we're going to talk about it. Let's see if we can figure it out. So basically, Trump has had this ongoing battle with TikTok. It's super weird, and it's part of the larger war that's going on, you know, which is more of a cold war than an outright war with China. And as if China didn't screw us enough by setting loose the coronavirus. Oh, yes. And talk about those lantern flies, Talk about those flies. (laughs) My God. Oh, my God. They finally sprung on the street down right by me this, like, past week or two. Oh, God. If you're not from an area that has lantern flies, thank you. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah, thank your lucky stars. Because, honestly... They are a pain in the ass. They have completely depleted <gasps> the, what's that tree called? Oh, oh Tree oh, of Heaven or something? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something like that. It's like the tree of life, practically. Yeah, it's something tree like of my that. life. Oh, same like, here, honestly. Oh, Covered in bugs and, Oh, ugh. my God. No, they are the stink bugs. Remember when stink bugs came to this area? Totally. And it's a pain ugh. in the butt. And you're supposed to kill them, which, whatever. I mean. Okay, but the thing that pisses me off about them similar to stink bugs they fly at you mm-hmm. you're walking right down the street face. like who flies at you who like, flies no. at you also if i'm a bug if i'm a tiny organism yes i'm not gonna go up to the thing. empire state building of a, a, a moving building. empire state building i'm not no. gonna go into godzilla's face yes and just to Kong, see what happens like i'm flying away come on so uh it's just another thing Ugh. china did for us Thanks a lot. Really don't appreciate it. If you're from China. I love your cheap goods sometimes. Love your cheap goods. But please reason with your people oh and get God. them to stop sending these goddamn yes. problems to us. It feels like the plague. Okay, here's another thing. Have you seen this new thing? Only learned about it. Where China is apparently sending random people seeds. What? Did not know about this either. Oh, you know what? I think I did hear about yes, this. Because they're apparently sending people seeds in the mail. Yes, little pods. <laughs> and if you get these seeds, but what is the whole point? That they're going to get dispersed and be planted? I don't know. I do not know. That's Ugh. what I said. I asked my mom, I'm like, the next day after this, I was like, so have they disclosed like what these plants actually are? That and what they, they do, what yeah, the problem and, would be? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay like i don't know it's weird weird. Uh, how can they tell they're from china i don't know i I don't know and truly honestly i think the report that i saw um they looked like balled up like things of weed or something well they looked like watermelon seeds to me like little black like little Ooh, yeah i mean whatever i can't imagine what they're trying to fucking pull now but like please stop (laughs) and not 2020 has been bad enough it's been the worst year ever keep your bats to yourself keep your bats to yourself stop eating shit that was meant to be (laughs) hanging from a cave wall okay i know it's supposed to be part of your culture but just you know maybe lay off the bat we're friends of dogs and we're not going to go down that topic oh we can't even go down that dark road because i'll kill myself but in any event, Trump issues this executive order, which is giving Chinese social media um, until the middle of September, which is not long at all at this point, no. to find somebody from America, an American corporate buyer, to purchase TikTok. Uh. Otherwise, if they can't find a buyer, TikTok is going to be banned in America. 
And he did the same thing for um, the Chinese messaging software WeChat, which neither of us have no, ever heard yeah, of it. No, yeah, I haven't heard of that. So, like, big freaking deal. But, my God, why? Why? Yeah. So, I... Microsoft is about ready to pay $50 billion. That's what I heard. Yeah, which... Which, all right, we trust Bill Gates. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, oof, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big Gates fan. But, yeah. Huh. But, yeah, I mean, the full, the comedy behind this is that it's this ridiculous app. We both love it. But you watch these short, silly videos that other people create. It's content that kind of is quick, easy, quick yes. and dirty. And you laugh both, and it's over. We both grew up in the Vine days. Like, we were prime Vine vine time live you know yes era. loved and this vine. to me is just like the new vine it is and they give you 15 so seconds awesome. instead of five yeah it's so much fun and apparently it has a hundred million american users and, oh i don't doubt it oh uh, right and analysts are saying that it's growing in popularity so quickly that it's probably going to be worth about 200 billion oh, in no I, time yeah, i can totally see that right and so the whole thing, ladies and germs, the whole reason Trump wants to ban this app is because it thinks that Chinese owners could be required to cooperate with the Chinese government, which in turn could use the platform for basically spying, spreading our information, threatening national security. Now, people, I mean, if our national security has not been threatened okay. already by the lantern flies, <laughs> the seeds, and oh, I don't know, the coronavirus, uh, come on. Okay, no, but this brings me right back to the Pokemon Go conspiracy theory that like yes. they were using all those recordings inside catching Pokemon to, you know, build their Google platform for Google Earth or whatever. And it was so, brilliant. Yeah, I, th- it's believable. It's understandable. It's why I don't have an Alexa. But still, like, I don't know. I just think it's a little extreme. Right. And, I mean, the part where we start to intersect with, is this legal? Is this stepping on toes? Is the fact that if Trump (laughs) is able, can the president do this? If he's able to, you know, turn off TikTok, to get rid of TikTok, it's essentially saying that he has the power as the president to restrict the internet and to interfere with big, which is big. I mean, because it's speech, right? It's free speech. Well, it's the last wild west frontier, honestly. Yeah. Unregulated That's a good way of putting it. Yep. And it would also interfere with people's capacity to criticize leaders, power, social commentary. Yep. So it's really another echelon of shutting down the news and building mistrust mm-hmm. in the news now granted social media what you hear on social media isn't oh, yeah. necessarily the most reliable of sources but, but no i'll say though yeah, say like it, during this last um protest in mm-hmm. god it seems so long ago now yeah, it um, does. but here in philadelphia you can watch whatever on the news you can search whatever on the news websites but i was getting the latest up to the minute what was actually going on in philadelphia via twitter yes and so and it's the most reliable information it, you can it get 100 percent is it's people on the ground just like on the you ground, and me yeah. it just like and people have, no... have become journalists yeah. in a way yeah and they have no they have no real um motive to lie you yeah know? there's not this major machine oversight that's yeah, it's you free. Know, this They're doing major it for fun. company that is regulating kind of 
how they present things. It's people presenting what they see here and now. So right. And being able to do that, being able to not only take footage of what's happening live, but also to comment on it is one of our civil liberties. So if you're starting to mess with those, you're starting to really erode the ideas of democracy and the building blocks therein. I mean, what are we doing here? Is it really okay? I don't think so. Well, but all I got to say, though, is Jason Derulo. I hope Uh. you're listening. Because if this becomes a reality, what I said to my mom was that some American should be a smart person like Jason Derulo and snatch that opportunity up. I and know. if it gets banned, create Micmoc or whatever. You Mic-moc. know what I mean? Like literally create an American substitute if you're smart enough. That so, is actually hilarious. Like honestly, that's a great business opportunity and it's not the way to go, but it's also the way to go. So. Well, you know what's crazy is um so we've talked a lot about Jason last week on our <laughs> previous episode. We're on a first name, on basis. A first name basis with Jason Derulo. And actually, it's been brought to our attention that there was a lot of controversy on the song that he created, which was with the background track um, from Josh, you know, boop, boop, boo. It's called um, Laxed Beat, Siren, something like that. And, you know, great little jam, great little riff. So apparently, as Trans Pride March Melb has told us on Instagram, there was all this controversy regarding the song. Jason apparently didn't produce the music to Savage Love. A teen from New Zealand did. Of course, these guys know because they're from Melbourne. Um, And the teen only made it, especially for TikTok. It was only intended for that purpose. that's... I don't know. I love that type of stuff. I do, too. that's so cool. But apparently, Jason took the music, didn't pay or give credit to the teenager at the time. Long story short, after giving the guy credit, finally, the teenager ended up signing a contract to a major music label (sighs) to produce and write music for other artists. So now Jason's sort of seen the error of his ways. And but but it's like too little little too late. late. Yeah, Yeah, because he kind of he waited. And that's awesome for that teen to have signed with somebody. But at the same time, it's like, great, you acknowledged me, but after ripping me off. Yeah, yeah. So it it is Josh685, just to confirm, J-A-W-S-H. And he is the writer of that that beat, that song. That's incredible. And Oh, I love this type of info. It's really cool. And I love that our listeners just um, have this skin in the game and are interested in kind of bringing it to light. And it is good. It had a happy ending. It's good that Jason eventually did do the right thing, whether he was told to or whether he just came to his senses. We don't know. But... You know, he deserves credit for finally 100%. doing the right thing and yeah, acknowledging the teen. For any time that's used, because that like there's there's a really great This American Life. Um, it was years ago created on the majority of it's so funny when you call like any major company and you're put on hold and have to listen to that music. There was some company that created that. Ugh, I can't even sing it off the top of my head, but it's like Mm -hmm. a very basic tune Mm -hmm. that plays in the background. It's very like 80s, 90s kind of, you know, electronic created, whatever. And they tracked the person down that created that. And I think it's a similar thing where they're not making the money, getting the credit 
for something that's still going on to this day that we're hearing over right. you know, phone calls and whatnot. And so. my God, when you're on hold on those phone calls, if you get a bad holding tone, you oh. wish you were never born. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, the worst is when it stops, uh, pause, and then it starts and over. And you think you're ready. You think you're going <laughs> to yes. hear something. But, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Going into this episode, yes, it's not episode 27. We thought about putting it <laughs> off till then. But we got an awesome recommendation from, I think you have the name of. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. So we got this recommendation from Megan Kuski. She's become a good friend of ours and just a really trusted ally when it comes to coming up with these new topics. Commentating s- on stuff. Yeah, just, she just yeah. she has such amazing input. She's a great um, source of just information and wherewithal and she just she really delves deep in these topics and we're just so happy to have her as a listener and you know as a really friend and confidant at this yeah. point so Megan thank you so much for suggesting this topic this is really it's been fun and exciting for us to learn more yeah, about. yeah it has it wouldn't have been something that I thought of off the top of my head but it that's what I love it's so kind of like different and out there but it's so easy for us to relate to and pull out stuff that relates to our podcast. So yeah. thank you again. This has been a very interesting topic to look into. It really has. And especially the fact that it's our age group. Yes. I mean, yeah. Meanwhile, we're, we're, we're teasing this out here. But um, the topic is the 27 Club. Yes. So really exciting. It's basically a list, for those of you who don't know, of these popular musicians, artists, actors, famous people of all different sorts who all died at the age of 27. Yes, if only I could be 27 again. Oh, same here. What a great year. (gasps) 27 dresses, girl. Oh, my God. 27 years of bliss. Not really, (laughs) but... (laughs) But it's interesting because... Since all these deaths occurred for these different celebrities at the age of 27, there were claims of statistical spikes for their for the death of musicians and famous people at that age. It's been disproved a million times over. Research has been done. But still, it's this really cool cultural phenomenon. Yeah, like why? And yeah, why? What's going on there? Obviously, celebrities do have higher risk lifestyles sure. and they do engage in you know, different behaviors that are a little more unsavory and a little more dangerous. And just, I can't even imagine kind of that lifestyle. Oh, exactly. So, um, but it's kind of funny because, you know, the 27 Club, since it does have the name Club, Mm -hmm. apparently people are constantly suggesting new names for inclusion. Yes. And it's kind of funny because it's like, there's no person to truly approve Right, right. Of, I mean, we both exclusion. obviously weren't accepted. So, right. Unfortunately, we passed that age. Fortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, since it's just this like little notion and idea, um, there really is no official membership, so there's right. no one to accept or deny. Yeah, you can add anyone to it, pretty yeah, much. So, you if know. you if you've got any nominations, we'll uh, submit it to the board. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, please email us at betsybosspodcast at gmail dot com. Right. <laughs> Subject line twenty seven club. Exactly. Yeah, but I think just starting off, and I I was trying to find honestly a like good succinct member like main membership (laughs) list and I don't even think this is actually a really great list 
but it goes to kind of the two women we're going to talk about today. So I just wanted to kind of list these individuals out, and many of them are obviously going to be household names. So the first individual um, was born in 1911, died in 1938. This is Robert Johnson. He was a jazz musician. So that's kind of the first kickoff of this club, per se. Um, But then it really, really gets going in the 1970s. We actually had four visionaries die within two years of each other. So the 70s are really the the height of the 27 club. Yeah, really 69 to 71, right? Yeah, exactly. So we have Brian Jones, who died in 1969, Jimi Hendrix, 1970, Janis Joplin, 1970, Jim Morrison, 1971, Ron Pigpen, as we remember from Little Rascals. Of course. McKernan, uh, 1973, Jean-Michael, how would you say this, Basquiat? Mm. I don't know. Good attempt. 1988, Kurt Cobain, obviously, another, you know, 1994. Uh, Richie Edwards, 1995, John Brandis, or. 19 2003 <laughs> um amy winehouse 2011 Ugh, my favorite yep so we're upset. gonna get into her love her um and then anton yelchin who i actually hadn't heard of um but 2016 so it still is ongoing but you can kind of see the peak of this 27 club hysteria or whatever you want to call it right and it's just incredible i mean everybody who you know looks at these statistics like i said a minute ago knows that just speaking through research that it's not a true spike but different people who have um, created biographies of the different stars and who have studied the stars in depth and the phenomenon of the 27 club says that you know if you're looking at that group it's really just staggering to think that all of them died at 27 like it's just it is weird I mean even though humans die regularly at all ages there's clearly like this yeah. strange phenomenon well, going on even back in the 1800s 27 yes you may have been you know past midlife crisis but still you weren't dying right you know so it is surprising so this really became a popular idea like we were saying um, after Kurt Cobain's death in 1994 so this was when fans were kind of he died at 27, obviously, and they were like, well, wait a second. There were a lot of other people that died at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, when Amy Winehouse died in 2011, it just added to that whole kind of conspiracy theory of the 27 Club. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know if you've really watched um, Kurt Cobain and just, you know, him performing and his music and everything like that, but he was really just a beautiful person. Oh, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, an incredible, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I watched it a couple years ago and it's, I'm not going to get it right. It's like drenched in bleach or something in bleach. Um, It's a documentary about the detective that was actually hired by Courtney Love. Right. His Um, then girlfriend. Yes. Wife? Were they ever married? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But to investigate when he was missing. And he has a bunch of recordings from their phone conversations. And it just, it's super interesting to see kind of like, Mm, I could kind of see where this guy's going with this conspiracy theory on Kurt's death. Right. And yeah, yeah, he just, 
I don't know. There was something really mysterious and beautiful about him. I was watching just in preparation for this episode some of his performances and just to look at how kind of beautiful like he was and and, and, yeah. and normal and also how genius his lyrics his yes. music were i mean talk about cutting edge well, yeah i think and that's uh, the two women we're going to talk about today too i think it's the same thing where it's just like and that's that's what i want to say with this like <laughs> i can relate to when reading about this the 27 club in a sense that so many artists like you you get humor and you get creativity mm-hmm. by growing up as an outsider and not growing up yes. oh, such a as good point. the popular everything is easy everything right. everybody is great. loves you yeah and I think that's so much of what so many of these individuals experienced and honestly just even relating to I think I mentioned to you about watching um I'll be gone in the dark with <laughs> Michelle McNamara and she and Pat Oswald I think both related on the level of having such creativity and genius in comedy and writing. Mm-hmm. But there's so much history with so many of these individuals with having such a tough time. Tough. Yeah. Tough history. Yeah. Tough upbringing. And it's so true. I mean, these songs that especially Kurt wrote and sang just weren't about sunshine and rainbows and how great life was and everything. It was about the struggle that he went through and you know the loss of innocence the you know coming of age and how rough that was it's just and it's clear that art that is to that degree just can't be created if you don't have a struggling artist if you don't have a history yeah it's the diamond that's created from the pressure in the mind you know I mean truly it's just it's an interesting thing but um, when it comes to his death, though, did you see that thing about um, his mother's statement? I don't know. Say it, and we maybe I'll remember. It, we... Yeah, so I guess um, if we're talking about how Kurt Cobain's death kind of triggered the public's interest or reinvigoration in the 27 Club, apparently Kurt's mother, upon his passing, said something and made a statement to the Daily World newspaper that was something to the effect of, you know, now he's gone and he's joined that stupid club. I told him oh, not to join that wow. stupid club. So it's just sort of wow. strange that she had referred to it so explicitly. And, you know, these other writers and um, folks who have just dedicated their lives to studying these different artists, it's really kicked off the conspiracy theorists to suggest, okay, you know, Kurt really might have intentionally timed his right. death at 27 so he could join this club of incredible artists. Yeah, which uh, I disagree. Before we get into um, our two topics, our two, uh, two ladies. ladies for the day, I think it makes sense, and it's interesting because you've seen that it's kind of slowed down, I guess, the membership over the years because people are doing things later in life. And the 70s was kind of the peak of the 27 Club. And it makes sense in a way that people would commonly experience certain things at a common point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Same way with artists. So, Mm -hmm. like, drugs were a a big thing at a certain point. And if you experience fame at a certain point. And uh, to me, I, I can see why it would make sense. Like, oh, why are all these people dying at 27? But at the same time, it's like... If you're going through the same thing at the same time and yeah, I don't know, like I can, I can see how things could kind of line up 
that people would end up dying from the same typical situations at the same time. Right. If that makes sense. No, 100%. (laughs) It really does. So our first woman of the hour is Janis Joplin. And I think I'll just give a little bit of a background on her. Let's do it. So she was born in Port Arthur, Texas on January 19th, 1943. Like we said, she was ostracized and bullied in high school, as were many of us. Mm -hmm. Um, She graduated high school in 1960 and she went on to college um, and then it just kind of wasn't for her. So she ended up dropping out. Her first song, What Good Can Drinking Drinkin' Do, um, <laughs> gotta get that right there, was recorded in December of 1962 at the home of a fellow University of Texas student. So she left Texas for good, apparently, in 1963, hitchhiking, tells you, mm-hmm. sign of the times. What was going on? Yep, to San Fran. Uh, 1963, San Francisco, she was arrested for shoplifting, so she was starting to get into a little bit of trouble out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two years that followed, she had a reputation of being a speed freak, and she also was an occasional heroin user. So this was, and this is a theme we'll see kind of with many of these individuals in this club, is that drugs were a big part of kind of their rise and fall. Yes. Um, so she was a heavy drinker, used other psychoactive drugs throughout her career. Um, well, I guess it, it comes as no real surprise that, yeah, like you said, drugs were part of the rise and part of her fall. Um, when she was eventually found dead it was from an accidental heroin overdose and that was in 1970 she was 27 of course um kind of in the height of her fame and stardom she released three different albums and it sounds like she released her fourth album in january of 1971 just about three months after she died so it was you know a posthumous album that of course, climb the charts right away to um, number one, which is amazing on Billboard. I feel like that always happens, though. Like, I think Michael Jackson, after he passed away, like, his albums all, like, right. skyrocketed. Yeah, and it looks like she actually um, was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame also in 95, and Rolling Stone ranked her as number 46 on its 2004 list of the 100 greatest artists of all time, which is pretty amazing. I mean... You know, you're only 27. Oh. You've got the world at your feet. It's just, it's so sad that she had to die this way. I mean, yeah. my God. And especially the events surrounding her death just seemed so sad. It did seem like an accident. She had a recording scheduled at Sunset Sound Recorders for, um, she was going to schedule a vocal track for the instrumental track of the song buried alive in the bru- in the blues excuse me buried alive in the blues <laughs> how um, telling though how like, telling ooh. right how my ominous. gosh so apparently she didn't show up for that recording and that led people to go and search her hotel room and they found alcohol in the room mm-hmm. but it sounds like no evidence of drugs but well reportedly this, yeah this is interesting so so she was staying at the Landmark Motor Hotel in Hollywood, and this was August 24th, 1970. And it was apparently actually known for her kind of being a drug dealer, drug user location. But when 
they went in and found her, some of her close confidants actually took out the drug paraphernalia. And that had apparently happened with several other um, celebrities that had passed away at the time Mm -hmm. in this Los Angeles area. It was thought to be kind of protecting their reputation. But then the paraphernalia was placed back in the room after the fact. So no contamination of evidence there. Right. Um, So her death was uh, determined to be caused by a heroin overdose possibly compounded by alcohol right and people apparently took issue with that and they were saying hey it couldn't have possibly been a heroin overdose because she apparently following her dose um went around in the hotel um spoke to somebody in the lobby you know and kind of chatted with hotel clerks and um got some cigarettes you know she was kind of going about her normal business but apparently it's just this big um, misnomer that people think an overdose will happen relatively instantly upon injection or upon consumption of the drug, when in actuality, some of the time, yeah, it really, it takes a while for things to kick in, and not to mention for, like you said, um, the drugs to interact with other drugs or substances in the person's system. So in this case, we know there was alcohol going on. We know that there were probably... Um, other drugs being combined in her body and that um, heroin was really just sort of one of a cocktail of drugs that she had experienced so yeah it was believed also so she like many of these individuals in the 27 club have gone through periods of sobriety and then um, relapsing and getting back into drugs um, so she had had gone through a short period of sobriety, gotten back into drugs when she came back to the U.S., but it was believed that um, she was actually given heroin when she was in this hotel that was much more potent than what she was used to with other Los Angeles heroin users. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that like even today, that's very common where you can't always tell, especially with illicit drugs, what the quality is of what you're getting so it's very easy to see that somebody could um, be taking something that they think they're you know comfortable with and it's not actually the same thing that they've done for years so it's very easy to see why an overdose could happen right so just kind of circling it back to the beginning like we were saying so this was really her death was really the uh, start of the 27 club theory conspiracy theory because just 16 days earlier Jimi Hendrix had also died um so this was like hmm they were both 27 hmm they both died within you know just over two weeks of each other so what's kind of going on so like we said it was this situation then Kurt Cobain then Amy Winehouse and it just kind of created this whole theory got it kind of rolling yeah so the only other woman, the only other big woman um, that's sort of well-known and in the short kind list. in the canon. Um, yeah, <laughs> 27 Clubbers yes. is none other than Amy Winehouse, Ugh. who is they just. Cried, make a rehab, rehab, but I, I said, said no, no, no. no. <laughs> Truly, oh, she was so incredible. It's yeah. so sad oh, that she had to die. Her voice was 
out of control. One of just, a kind. Like ugh. that that comes along once in a generation. Like that right. is just She was soulful. She was talent. jazzy. She was just an incredible performer. And she was kind of got her start doing just jazz club type stuff and skyrocketed to fame in this epic proportion. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden it felt like um, do you have like a bit about her, you know, birth early and life? early life? I have and... a little bit and I actually have a fun little anecdote. So, Ooh. okay. So she was born, um, on December 14th, 1983 in North London. And she actually had kind of a family history of musicians on her father's side. She had a bunch of uncles that were professional jazz musicians and actually her paternal grandmother was a singer. And, okay, here's my favorite little anecdote oh, I came across. Um, so her father, and think about this. This is, like, the early 90s or whatever. Her father um, often sang Frank Sinatra songs to her. And so being over there in London, the proper, you know, country the across the pond, mm-hmm. um, when she would get in trouble, she would sing, I love this, Fly me to the moon as she would be heading up the stairs to the headmistress's office. Oh, my God. Yeah, which I thought was so cool. And then in 1992, her grandmother actually suggested that she take her her profession and her talent a little more seriously and was actually the force that kind of pushed her into these performing arts schools that eventually led to her meeting other individuals and getting into the business. Right. Right. Um, her first debut album named Frank, which I just, I don't know why I just love. Oh, I know I why. Like because it. I said this is what I would love to name a dog one day. Oh, Frank, Frank, Frank the Tank. Cute. Frank the Tank, baby. <laughs> yes. So her first album, Frank, was released in on October 20th, 2003. And she co-wrote every song. It was just given critical acclaim. And it was just... So new, if you think about for that era, to have that kind of tone, and she just was so unique for that era. And even her lyrics, I mean, I watched a documentary on her recently, and she she was genius in her execution of these lyrics and in the music, and she really, um, she was just in such an unlikely package too i mean with this giant beehive she's got like toothpick legs and arms giant swooshes of eyeliner she was just really kind of larger than life but also this very slight um person like bird-like almost because she was so thin and then to have this crazy brain just thinking up these incredible lyrics and music and this sick voice that just that's what like if you close your eyes and listen to her it's like, you wouldn't picture that. No, you would not. And that's what I think is so amazing. Just like it's pure raw talent. Right. But uh, so, I mean, obviously what came after Frank was a little album called Back to Black, mm-hmm. which holy shit. I mean, that's where Rehab came from. Yep. And I remember watching the music video for Rehab and hearing that voice on MTV you know, right when she was kind of being released and catapulted to fame and just thinking, my God, like what a sound. And it's something, yeah, our generation had never heard before. No, absolutely not. And there were definitely, there were copycats around the same time who tried to um, sound reminiscent of this kind of old jazzy, sultry, you know, sound and nobody could do it like she did. 
but it was interesting to hear rehab you know come out and her sort of make smart smarty pants comments and self-deprecating comments about the very real demons that were going on in her life yeah she had a lot going on um so she was actually hospitalized in 2007 for a reported overdose of heroin, ecstasy, cocaine, and ketamine and alcohol. So she definitely, again, like so many of these artists, like this creativity comes from a deep place, but that deep place also oftentimes has other kind of demons lurking in it. Um, So she was dealing with a lot of these issues that these other artists have have dealt with as well. So she also admitted during interviews to having problems with self-harm, depression, and eating disorders. Um, and according to her physician, apparently by 2008, she had quit using these illegal substances. Right. Don't and know if that was actually the case, but yeah. Right. Yeah, and it sounds like just, oh my gosh, she just had such serious problems with going back and forth into, you know, that addiction world. And, you know, close before her death, I think she really just languished in those problems, those issues. And people saw her kind of checking in and out of treatment, like you said, getting into fights, um, coming out in public with just, you know, scratches all over her body not being able to perform yeah having to stop performing looking totally out of it and apparently at some point um amy's dad actually said that she developed early symptoms of emphysema because she was smoking crack and all these cigarettes and she just she had all these legal issues too where you know she was supposed to travel to the united states for work and she couldn't because all her legal issues were keeping her from getting visas and it just felt like a ticking time bomb to some extent yeah it really was but it was crazy because um so in 2008 this was the 50th grammy awards and this is kind of in the thick of her going through a lot of these issues but at, at this time she still won five awards and this tied the record for the most wins by a female artist in a single night um, she also it's became amazing. the first British woman to win five Grammys. And in that, she won three of the general field big four Grammy Awards. So this, uh, these were big new artists, big new artists, best new artists, <laughs> <laughs> record of the year and song of the year for rehab, as well as best pop vocal album. So it's crazy to see because you see this all the time, too, where it's just like, they're on the top of the game, uh, top of their game with these artists, but at the same time, it's just the demons behind the scenes are just yeah, and they're at probably their bottom in other yeah, ways. Exactly, exactly. So not long before death, so this is uh, June eighteenth, twenty eleven. She had started her first part of her twelve leg European tour in Belgrade, but the performance was described as a scandal and disaster. She was booed off of the stage because she was apparently too drunk to perform. She couldn't remember the name of the city, couldn't remember Ugh, the lyrics, so couldn't remember sad. the names of the of her band. Um, and the only reason that she kind of went on performing was apparently the bodyguard wouldn't let her off the stage and just kind of like Ugh. pushed her back on and made her, you know, stay out there. So 
after that performance, you know, not long after, she canceled the rest of this 12-leg tour. Yeah, and honestly, something that struck me when I was learning more about her was just um, the similarities between her relationship with her father and Britney Spears' relationship with Ooh, her father. yeah, it's so and interesting. there's just this strange um, enmeshment that these fathers and daughters have with one another. Yeah. And I just remember Amy's dad just was so... He, I mean, he really depended heavily on her, but not for, you know, being a daughter and providing right. love and affection, but... I think for livelihood. Was, for livelihood, yeah. And it's, <laughs> Which is you know, not she how was, it should be. Yeah, she was much more of a um, source word? of income. A source of income, a moneymaker to him than a daughter. And it sounded like he really just kind of reveled in filming and recounting her, what's the word? Yeah, he Spiraling it. out of control. He tried to make yeah. it like a um, reality TV show out of her, I think. And, you know, he just really he didn't care for her as much as he cared about what she could do exactly and what she could offer to him yeah which is so sad so then we get on to her passing which was just pretty gruesome and um nasty but apparently amy's bodyguard arrived at her house about three days before her death and you know kind of felt that she had been a little bit intoxicated at the time he had noticed that she was drinking sort of moderately over the last few days and the next few days and said you know that she just sort of seemed happy enough but really um you know was drinking again and yeah really partying and you know sleeping really late staying up really late like you said (laughs) 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 whatever it's a late sleeper over here i enjoy it um but apparently at 10 a.m on july 23rd of 2011 he saw her sort of lying on her bed and um, he tried to sort of wake her up by shaking her a little bit and she didn't wake up. And he, But honestly, he wasn't really suspecting that she had passed right. or that she was in trouble because she was constantly staying up late. She was constantly sleeping in. She was always of sort of sleepwalking through life at this stage. So he sort of let her be for a little bit until 3 p.m. when he checked on her again, saw that she was in the same exact position that she was in before and eventually concluded all right hold up so scary yeah she ain't breathing yeah she had no pulse he called the emergency he called emergency services and around 4 p.m two ambulances came to her home and she was pronounced dead at the scene and right after that the metropolitan police also confirmed that she had died okay what i thought was super weird and this has to be a very (laughs) british thing the coroner's inquest um, came with the cause of death. Yes. Cause of death. I liked this too. As misadventure. Misadventure. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. She jumped over a hedge a little too low. She had a misadventure. <laughs> misadventure. She always wanted an adventure. <laughs> yes. It sounds like the blood alcohol level that yeah, she was, was experiencing was 416 milligrams per 100 milliliters, which is a 0. 0.4. And I know that just off the top of my head, 0.08, 0.08 yeah, exactly, is above the legal limit for driving. Yeah. Um, so this is about more than five times the legal drink and drive limit. So that's a decent amount of drinking. Yeah. And she just, in those final days, like I said, and like we discussed, she was just so frail and thin 
and she going didn't through, look good. You could, she you did can not look well. Usually tell with somebody. I mean, obviously, sometimes there's other medical situations going on in the background, but she at the very end did not look healthy. Yeah, not in the least bit. I mean, yeah. she really looked like yeah. she was cruising for a bruising. Oh, yeah, it's 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 awful, but it's crazy to think like the legacy of these individuals goes on. So even um, VH1 ranked Amy Winehouse as the 26th individual on their list of 100 greatest women in music. So it's amazing. It's just like it's these individuals live on and. I don't think the fame is worth it. I don't think they would think the fame is worth it. No. And honestly, I mean, at her core, Amy was this sort of performer who just loved being in those jazz clubs. She loved music for its roots. She loved getting back to what was good about the jazz singers like oh, Billie Holiday. so and, different for yeah, our generation. She, it was she cool. really was, and it was, it was sad to see. I mean, her music needed to be shared with the world. It was amazing and beautiful, and she had such a remarkable talent. But by the same token, I wonder if she would have come about the same fate if she had just stayed sort of this totally hidden gem. Wonder, yeah, I always wonder that. I always wonder that, like, would it have been better for so many of these people to not have made it big? Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know. Like, you still can have that talent and just not make it on a big level. Right. And, you know, would you have been happier? Right. Exactly. I don't know. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is Betsy Boss Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 